Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it for Jesus one more time. Man, we're excited you guys are here. Come on, baby. First week of August, packed house. Look around. Give yourselves a round of applause. You guys look amazing. Notice some of y'all slept too long for that at 8.30. That's what it was. That's what it was. Man, we're so glad. I love our church, man. I, I'm, it's such an honor to be the pastor here at TC. I love our church. I love what we're a part of. Uh, man, we just had the opportunity. A lot of our Dream Teamers went and served at the backpack giveaway in our community yesterday. And uh, we partnered with some organizations to give away thousands of pounds of food, 2,000 backpacks to kids that didn't have school supplies. Uh, man, it was an amazing day yesterday. So shout out to all of them. And we had a TC Kids Water Day out there. And it was absolutely Absolutely incredible. So yeah, you can give it up for all those people that served, man. At the backpack giveaway, uh, my barber was out there. My the barber shop uh, that I go to, they were out there cutting hair. And uh, when we've got like kind of two main barber shops that most of the guys at TC go to. Uh, there's the best barber shop in Pensacola, which is Barbaros, right up the road. They did not pay me to say that. I just uh, was letting you know. Shout out to our boys out there. Uh, then there's Pensacola House of Barbers and a few others. You got whatever. Anyway, so but. Um, I love our church. I'll tell you, one of the things I love, though, is I actually love the barbershop. Uh, ladies, I don't know if y'all have this with the salon or not, but I, fellas, I, maybe you feel the same way. I love the barbershop. Like, I love going to it. I love sitting in that chair. I love giving complete control to the next hour of my life to somebody that I'm trusting with really sharp things around my head and face. Uh, I did, like, it's like a calming place for me to go to, but it's also like we love to joke around. And at the, at the barbershop, we also have a lot of debates. Right, and so some of the debates um, are, happen to be around sports, um, and so like the barbershops where we talk about like uh, you know the greatest of all time. The goat debate happens a lot in barbershops. So we're talking about the greatest quarterback of all time. Is it, you know, is it Tom Brady? Is it Troy Eggman? Is it Peyton Manning? Is it whoever? You know, I mean, like those things are happening. The, the, we're having debates about the greatest basketball team from the '80s. So is it Larry Bird and the Celtics? Is it Magic Johnson and the Lakers, right? Is it Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons? If you say Pistons, just get out. We don't even, we don't, let's go, just go. No, but we, like, so a lot of things happen. And then the aid, the debate of all time that's happening right now, you know, Jordan or LeBron uh, or, you know, or Kobe. Like, so uh, there's that debate that's happening too. And one of the things that uh, as you kind of have those debates and have those conversations, that's abundantly clear uh, no matter what you're talking about, and we talk about this often, is it doesn't matter who you think the greatest of all time is, the reality is none of them did it alone. None of them did it alone. All of them had a team. And I think it's so interesting that we've convinced, many of us have convinced ourselves that we can do life alone when it's so real and so obvious that nobody who's ever been great at anything did it alone. Jesus had 12. Who are, to think you, who are you to think you could do it with one? Like, that's the kind of conversation we're having. And so today, we're going we're gonna to jump into the Tribal War series, talking about a tribe, because we want to talk to you about thriving in our life and what it really looks like. And here's what I realized as we unpack this, that I want to be connected to people who are helping me thrive as we win rather than survive so I don't lose. And I think many of us have postured ourselves in life to just try to survive. 
Like, I, I just don't, I want to make sure I don't lose. If I barely make it through, great, I just don't want to lose. But I'm here to tell you, that's not the victorious mentality God wants us to have in our lives. Like, there's a thriving mentality that I believe God wants for us, he wants us to have. And so it's going to take a switch in our minds on how we get there. And speaking of our tribe, because I love TC, this is our tribe, we rep it well, like we, I, I love who we are as a church. Some people don't like our church. Well, there's 1,266 more of them in Pensacola. Take your pick, all right? But I love who we are, right? And so it's amazing to see so many different people, so many backgrounds, so many ethnicities, so many, like, so many different generations in one room saying we're going to love Jesus together. And that's why at TC we say we're a house like heaven, because I believe what you look around and see in this room is what you're going to see when you you get to heaven because this is what heaven's going to look like, right? And so we love that. And there's some things happening in our tribe right now. I just want to make you aware of. First of all, tonight, say tonight, is the meetup. And so uh, if you're new to TC, you joined TC over the last few months, or you started coming to TC over the last few months, and you want to get to meet some of our leaders and our pastors and our staff. Tonight, we're going to be meeting at uh, the Coffee Guy Underground at 7 p.m. on Davis Highway. And so we're not doing anything other than drinking coffee and just hanging out. So if you've joined TC recently and you want to come meet some of our team, we'd love to meet you. All right. Um, The next thing, we're going into 21 days of prayer today. Say today. So we're going to 21 Days of Prayer today. So like we said earlier, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., Monday through Friday, then 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Saturdays, we're going to be doing prayer right here in the auditorium. Listen, I believe God wants to do amazing things in our lives. Sometimes we want God to do great things. We just don't want to be there when he's doing it. And prayer puts us right in front of the Lord so that our life can be transformed, right? And so again, prayer is the difference between the best we can do and the best God can do. I need God doing more than what I can do in my life, amen? And so, man, we want to see that happen. And then the 25th and 26th of this month, we have our Reframe Conference 2023. And so... um, if you don't know anything about our Reframe Conference, we do it every year. Uh, and it's a Friday night, Saturday deal. This year, we've made it free. So we charged last year. This year, we said, you know what? Uh, if we're going to ask our church to be generous people, we're going to be generous in return. And so we've, we've made it free to our church. Um, but you do need to register, so you can register online. But this year, we're dealing with what does it truly mean to walk a life of worship? And I'm telling you right now, it's going to be phenomenal, like incredible. So register, come out, come be a part of that. It's going to be amazing. But here's the reality. We need a place to thrive and we need a tribe to do it. And so here's the way I phrase it. And this is just some things that you're going to need to know about if you're going to have a tribe. Number one is you need a place to thrive. So say I. I need a place to thrive. So you need a place to thrive. But here's what you need out of that place. So number one, you need a place to be your home. You need a place to be your home. Listen, you need, you need a place that no matter what's going on outside these walls, you can come to peace and joy and community and people that love you inside the home. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, any, anybody ever realize that when you moved out as an adult, there were way more bills than you thought existed? Come on, help me out. Anybody ever, you ever, late teens, early 20s, you moved out and was like, a gas bill? I thought that was just for cars, Right? Come on, anybody, anybody freak out the first summer that you got an electric bill because it wasn't the same as the winter bill? Come on, help me out. Anybody, like, the audacity of these people. Anyways, like, it's, it's what, what happened? Like, we, you realize there's things out there. And I remember being in uh, my late teens, early 20s, moving out of my parents' house, and there, there were certain moments where I was like, <laughs> I was living on that ramen budget. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
uh, someone recently was like, y'all remember eating Vienna sausages? And I was like, ugh. And they're like, sometimes I like to just crack open a can to remember what it's like. I was like, absolutely not. They said, you don't eat that? I said, no. God has been too good to me lately to eat those things. I'm not doing it. Vienna sausages and bologna are in the same category for me. Y'all do what you want with your life. I'm just telling you, if you love Jesus, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying, like, God's been, if I'm at the store and it's the same price for, like, ham, turkey, or bologna, I'm not getting flattened hot dogs when these other options are over here, all right? So I tell people, I'm like, God's been too good to me to eat that stuff. Anyway, so, but I remember what it was like, and I remember going through those budget, those, like, the tight budget years, sometimes I would just show up at mom's house and just hang out until dinner started getting cooked. Y'all know what I'm talking about? What What y'all cooking over here? Mom would be like, you can stay if you want. Like, okay. Because <laughs> it didn't matter what was going on in life. I knew I had a place to come home to. Come on, right? Can I tell you something? You need that here. You need that in your spiritual journey. Regardless of what's going on out there, you need a place to call home. And when I walk through the doors, I know I got, I got a place that's going to love me, support me, be there for me. But here's the deal. You don't just need a place to call home. You need a people to be your family. And so we need a tribe. We need people. Right? We need people that are going to love us. We need people that are going to uh, sometimes give us a swift kick in the rear end, hold us accountable. We need people that are also going to speak life into us whenever we need that too. We, we, we need a tribe. We need people to be our family. And listen to me, sometimes the family God wants to give you in this season of your life has, is going to be better than the season he gave you in that season of your life, like the family then. Why? I, I hear people say it's like blood is thick in the water. It's like maybe so. But sometimes what I need is not blood or water. Sometimes I just need people that my spirit agrees with my spirit. Like, come on, that me and God, that God, we're on the same wavelength together as far as our spiritual journey. And so you need a family that's going to help lead you in that. But then you you need a a purpose to be your destiny. And I think this is one of the biggest things that people miss out on. For some of you, you have a place and you have a family, but you're lacking purpose. And I'm here to tell you, one of the great things about Transformation Church, one of the great things about our tribe is that we don't just want to see you make it through life. We want to see you accomplish everything God's called you to accomplish in your life. Like we believe God has a better version of where you are and he wants to get you there. And listen, we want to do everything we can do to help get you there. And so we want to help you take next steps to get you to the version of your life that God has for you. And so we want to lead you to the purpose that God has for you. We believe that exists and help you with next steps. So here's the reality that we want you to understand. You ready? It's very simple. Every person needs a tribe to belong to. Every person needs a tribe to belong to. I would even say it like this. Every person already has a tribe they belong to. It's just whether or not it's the right one. So you've surrounded yourself with people. Are they the people that's helping you get where God wants you to be? And that's the true question we have to ask ourselves. And I think that's why Galatians 6.2, he says, carry each other's burdens. Come on, don't be each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ, the law, the desire, the commandments of Christ. How many of you guys have ever gone through something before and you felt all alone? That's a hard season to be in. But how many of you have ever gone through something and there was somebody right there with you? It's like just, just when you felt like giving up, all of a sudden they text you out of nowhere. Just when you felt like you couldn't go anymore, they, just, they swung by your house and was like, man, I just felt like God came by to come by and give you a hug and, and shake your hand. And sometimes I had a $20 bill in it. Praise God. All right. So, like, 
whatever it may be. We all know what it feels like to go through life alone. And we all know what it feels like to go through life with somebody and going through life with a tribe, with community, having someone help carry your burdens makes life easier. Because how many guys know, even Jesus told us in this life, you may have trouble. So we know trouble's coming. We just got to be part of a tribe that helps us get through it, right? And I think one of the greatest stories in the Bible where we see this happen is in 1 Kings 17. And so that's where we're going to go. We're going to spend most of our time today uh, that we have left. 1 Kings 17. And in this story, the prophet Elijah is uh, being sent somewhere. Before he gets sent to visit this widow, he's actually, God tells him, go to the brook and stay there. There's a famine in the land. But I'm going to keep water in the brook, even though there's famine in the land. And I want you to stay there until I move you. And that's where we pick up in verse 7. And he says this. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath and the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. What a tragic place to be in if you were her. Imagine for a second, she's already given up hope. All I got left is this little bit of flour, this little bit of oil. We're going to mix it up. We're going to eat this, and then we're going to starve to death. She's already resigned that the future is set. God has made his decision. These are, this is how life is going to be. It's not fair. It is what it is. Everything about this, I don't love it, it whatever, like, but I've already resigned. This is how this is going to go. And Elijah comes in and he's saying, hey, will you make me some bread? And she's going, brother, I barely got enough to make me some bread. And he's, he looks at it and he says, go anyways. And as we talk about thriving, especially in the tribe, I want to point out a few differences today on the difference between surviving and thriving. Say surviving. Thrive. Say thriving. Thrive. All right. So I want to show you some differences because these are ways we can tell whether or not we're in survival mode or thrival mode. And the first one is this. Surviving is stagnant, but thriving is moving. Surviving is stagnant, but thriving is moving. Thriving is pursuing. Thriving is, is where we're, we're moving in the direction that God wants us to go. And when we go back to it, actually, it's not even the widow yet. It's actually Elijah. And if you go to 1 Kings 7, we read it a second ago. I want to read it again. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Say these three words with me. Go at once. Let's try that again. Some of you were distracted. All right. You were still spelling moving. Okay. So <laughs> say those three words. Go at once. Did that say eventually? Did he say, like, when you, whenever you got some time? Was it like, hey, if you could, if you, like, if there's an opportunity, could you, or what did he say? Now, go at once. Where? And he says, go at once to Zarephath and the region of Sidon and stay there. And I think this is so interesting. 
Because Elijah's at the brook and the brook was providing him water. And as long as the brook was providing him water, he didn't need anything else. But then the brook dried up. And then the Lord said, I need you to go. And I think if, if any of us were in the position of Elijah, we'd have been more busy complaining that the brook dried up than we would have realizing that he's trying to move us somewhere else. Like, I'm so frustrated. God, how come you let the brook dry up? How, this, isn't, this isn't fair. I can't believe this. Why, why wouldn't you just continue to let water? I, and what are we doing? We're so busy complaining that it's dry. We're not realizing that if it didn't get dry, we'd have stayed here the whole time. But God says, I've got somewhere else I need Elijah to be. I, I've got another purpose that I need you to serve, Elijah. And if I kept the brook flowing, you'd have had no reason to get going. So I need to get this to dry up in your life so that you realize this wasn't the destination anyways. This was just a stopping point along the way. And I'm going to make it uncomfortable for you now so that you realize I've got something better for you ahead. And I've got not just something for you, but I've got something I need you to do for somebody else because they They've been praying to me and you don't know it yet. And so I'm going to have you fulfill a purpose, not just for you, but also for them because they've been praying and they've been seeking and they've been asking. But if I let the brook stay flowing, you would never leave. And I think for many of us, we're going, God, this is just so unfair. And God's going, yes, but where you are, isn't where I want you to be. This was just a stop along the way. You're satisfied with a Creek when I want to give you a river. So, so let's get you moving because I'm going to show you the things I intend to do rather than being satisfied with what I did. And that's what, so he, he gets him moving. But I think it's also important that we understand for many of us, the brook isn't necessarily our provision, it's the people. And sometimes God lets the people around us dry up so that we can see we've outgrown the old tribe so we start looking for a new one. That's why you got to understand, don't let the tribe of your past become poison to your purpose. Because some of us have tried to cling to the people that are behind us, thinking they can still go with us to the places God wants to take us. But sometimes they don't get to go with us where God wants to take us. Sometimes you outgrow people and you got to be okay with outgrowing people. Because some people aren't going to be able to be there whenever he starts doing miracles. You understand? And so we have to get moving. So the first thing we have to understand is that surviving is moving. But the next thing we have to understand is surviving is rigid, but thriving is flexible. Surviving is rigid, but thriving is flexible. You know, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever gone uh, hunting before or seen someone shoot a bow and arrow. I don't know if any of you tried to throw an arrow before, but you don't throw it very far, <laughs> right? So you can throw it with all your might, and it's going to go 20 feet. But you put that thing in a, a bow, and you pull it back, and you let it go, and it'll go 100 and some yards. Why? Because there's something to being stretched in an environment that prepares you to be released as opposed to just being thrown forward. And what we have to understand is surviving is saying, all right, God, I'm going to trust you, but I'm gonna only going to trust you this way to do it my time in this hour. And, and, and God says, well, actually, I'm going to do it this way. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're like, I don't like that. God's like, cool, didn't ask your opinion. I'm just getting, you know, like, right? So what happens is, is when we're rigid, we're not flexible enough to be used. Because listen to me, rarely does God do it your way. Anybody else figure that out? Anybody else have great suggestions for the Lord? Come on, God, if you would just, I have ideas. 
So what happens? You, you better get flexible in your faith for God to do what he's going to do. He'll do it anyways, but if you don't get flexible, you're just going to get hurt. And so we have to get flexible and get ready for what God's doing. And when we go to 1 Kings 17, 13, Elijah said to her, the widow, don't be afraid. Cool. <laughs> don't be afraid. Now I want you, again, let's go into the mind of this woman for a second who's already decided in her mind, I have a few days left and we're going to die. And Elijah's words are, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. All I've been is afraid. Everyone around me is dying. A famine hit the land. No one has food. No one has water. And the little bit I do have left, you want me to give to you. Don't be afraid. How do you tell someone that only knows fear not to be afraid? Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. So what does she say? I want to go home and make, a me- make some bread for me and my son. We're going to die. He says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. I think this is so interesting. He said, go make, first, go make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have. Did you realize that Elijah never asked her to use what she didn't have? He only asked her to use what she did have. And I think for so many of us, we're so busy thinking God's asking us to do something with what we don't have. We're not being obedient with what we do have. God, I can't do, I can't can't tithe $20,000 this year. God's saying, cool, that's not what I asked for. I, God, I can't, I can't be faithful with my time to lead this small group. I, I, I can't give up 20 hours a week. I didn't ask for 20. I asked for two. I can't go to church every week. I, can, I, I, gotta, I, I think you can. I think you need to be more concerned with being obedient with what you do have rather than being concerned about all the things you don't have. But one of the things I love out of this, he says, make it from what you have and bring it to me and then, say then, Then make something for yourself and your son. And this is so important because here's the deal you have to understand. It'll always be God's way first, then yours. It's always God's way, then. Say then. God's way, then my way. So go do what God's telling you and then make something for yourself. Be faithful with what God's asking and then You can follow through. Follow God's plan for your life and whatever you have remaining that he is up to you, then go for that. But I'm here to tell you, it'll always be God's way first. And not about you, I've fought this before. It didn't go well. It'll always be God's way first. Then we go to verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, that your jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. Which brings me to the next thing, because this is so hard, is that surviving focuses on what's happening, but thriving focuses on what I believe will happen. I said surviving focuses on what's happening, but thriving focuses on what I believe will happen. Listen to me. They'll put it on the screen. Thriving is about faith. 
not just what I can see with my eyes. And I think for so many of us, here's the reality. Many of us are just like the woman, just like the widow. All she can see is what's right in front of her. All I can see is I don't have enough. All I can see is my flowers running out. All I can see is my oil's running out. All I can see is that the water's running out. All I can see is this famine. All I can see is my hungry child. All I can see is directly what's in front of me. And the reality is surviving only sees what's right in front of you. But listen, thriving sees what you believe will happen. I'm believing that God's going to come through, even though I don't know how it's going to come through. I'm believing that God's going to provide, even though I don't know how he's going to provide. I'm believing that he's going to make a way, even though I don't know how he's going to make a way. I'm looking for God to come through, and I don't know how he's going to come through. I know I can see what's happening, because what's happening is right in front of me. But I'm just going to start seeing what I believe will happen, even though I don't see how it's going to happen, which is why Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is the substance of the things that you're hoping for, even though you can't see it yet. You got to start seeing with the spirit eyes rather than seeing just what the world is putting in front of you. There's something special that happens when you have a confidence in what we're hoping for, but an assurance about what I don't see. And, And thriving in your life means looking through the eyes of saying, this is what I believe will happen, even though I don't know how it's going to get there. God, I'm believing you're going to come through on my health, my doctor's report, even though I don't know what the outcome might be. God, I'm believing that this job situation is going to be taken care of, even though I don't know how you're going to, I'm believing you're going to provide, even though I don't know how you're going to provide. What are we doing? I'm believing for what will happen, even though all I can see is what's happening. And when we go to the passage Verses 15 and 16, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family, for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. But one of the things I think is so interesting in this story is that Many times, if you grew up in church, you've heard this preached before. You've heard of this story before. And the the oil did not run dry and the, the barrel did not get used up. But there's actually one more part of the story that oftentimes we miss. Because when you go to verses 17 through 24, something else happens in the same household. It says, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse. And finally stopped breathing. So I want you to think for a second the emotional roller coaster of this widow. I'm gonna make this bread, we're gonna eat it, and we're gonna die. Someone comes and asks for the bread. Nah, bruh. He says, No, no, no. Feed me and God will take care of you. So you feed him, and then God starts taking all of a sudden, you're like, You have enough oil, you have enough flour, and you're like, Come on, Jesus. Not yet her, but us, right? So, like, come, like, come on, anybody, has the Lord ever made a way for you when you didn't know how it was going to happen and you're riding that emotional high? Come on, help me out, right? I call it Tarzan living. You were at the mountaintop and you swung low. Hey, we're right back here again. Let's go, baby. And so, we're, we're emotional high, but guess what happens now? Her son gets sick. And maybe you can relate to what it feels like to go from mountaintop to a valley to a mountaintop, and now we're at another valley. And so frustrated with God, God, if you cared at all. But one of the things that we get out of the text is he became ill, but the text says he became ill, but then it got worse and worse, and then he stopped breathing. 
which is so frustrating because did God have the ability to heal him as soon as he got sick? Yes. Then why did you take me on this journey? Come on, anybody? God, you could have changed this the day it happened, but you didn't. Now I'm stuck here. Not only am I stuck here, now it's worse. I thought you were going to take care of us, but all you did was actually delay the fact that you were going to let me die. Mountaintop, valley. Mountaintop, valley. Does that sound like any of us? So what happens? We go to the text, Elijah stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down to the room, into the house and gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. I think this is so interesting because when we look at what each person in the story needs, each person in the story needed something from somebody else. Like if you look at it, every person in the story needed something they didn't have, but somebody else had it for them. Like if you look at it, Elijah needed the widow's resources, right? She had flour, she had oil, he had nothing. And so he's going to her and saying, I need flour. I need oil. I need you to make me bread. So Elijah needed the widow's resources, but the widow needed Elijah's faith because she didn't have a way she could do it on her own. So she needed somebody else that could do it. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where I didn't have enough faith for me to get through what I was getting through. But thank God I had some people around me that had enough faith to let me borrow some. Thank God I had some people around me that had enough faith to say, I know you don't see how this is going to happen, but we're believing God's going to make a way. I've gone through seasons in my life where I didn't have enough resources, but all of a sudden I was able to lean in and say, hey, brother, can I get a 20, right? Like I was, I, I was able to walk through and see how God provided. I, and in all honesty, I know we joke about it, but I can't tell you how many times in, in mine and Ashley's life, we didn't know how we were going to pay doctor's bills for our son who was sick and in the hospital for months at a time. And all of a sudden we get a phone call and says, someone says, I got a $6,000 check in the mail. It's coming your way right now. All of a sudden we get a phone call and says, hey, we've, we've, we've erased all of the medical debt for you and for your son. Why? Because there's some seasons in my life, my faith might be high, but my resources are low. But then we go through seasons where I've gone through seasons where, listen, my resources were high, but my faith was low. And all of a sudden someone calls me on the phone and in my moment of doubt and concern and fear, they start speaking life into me saying, you're going to believe that the word of the Lord will come true. And I know you saw a brook dry up, but you got somebody going to make a way for you next. But the boy needed Elijah's connection because Elijah had a connection to God that the widow and the boy didn't. And sometimes you go through seasons of your life where you might have resources, you might even have faith, but you feel like you and God just aren't on the same wavelength. And all of a sudden somebody pulls into your, your, your driveway and helps you connect to God in a way. Or you experience it in a worship service because when all of the saints gather together singing holy, 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 something shifts in the atmosphere. What do we know? It takes a tribe to thrive. Because there's going to be a day you're missing something. And I'm here to tell you, when you're part of the tribe, somebody else has got it. But if you don't even know who to call, you're missing out. 
And that's why for us, groups is such a huge part of that. We're coming out of our small group season. We're taking August off, and we're getting ready for September to launch groups again. And, we, man, we talk about a tribe. One of the girls in our church, she launched a group this past season, and we watched her connect to a tribe like never before, and we want to show it to you. Go ahead and roll it, guys. My name is Savannah Sapp. I led the We Saved You a Seat group. Um, it is a small group that goes over a book called We Saved You a Seat, uh, and it focuses on cultivating authentic Christian female friendship. I wanted to start the group because I it's something that I struggle with, and I figured if I struggled with it, there were other people that did too. So I was really nervous to start a group. Um, it's something that I've thought about, but I knew that it was something I needed to do. I knew that I needed to take that next step um, for myself with my walk with Christ. And I, I thought that leading a group would be a good, a good move, um, and I felt that God was placing it on my heart to do so. So I asked, um, I was talking to Cindy about it one night, I was at her house hanging out, and I was like, I think I'm gonna host this group, but I need a co-leader and I don't have one. I just kinda looked at her like, I need a co-leader, and um, I was able to convince her to do it with me. When I first, started leading the group, I was really self-conscious about myself and just about how I came off because I'm kind of dorky or whatever. Like, I think I'm socially awkward sometimes. And once I started leading the group and talking to the women more, I realized that, hey, this is just a bunch of people being real. We don't have to put on airs in this group. We can just come in and be ourselves, be our authentic selves, not be, you know, worried that someone's like judging us or thinking, you know, differently of us. Um, so that was, that was really great for me personally, but then also to really see women who were new to TC, new to groups, really opening up and sharing some really personal stuff, you know, personal things that you probably would only tell your best friends and they're telling it in a, a, a group, a small group. It was just, it was really cool to see, to see that the group was actually working, I guess. I feel like a lot of times in friendship, um, at church and outside of church, it's easy to have a surface level friendship with people, but going beyond the surface can be a little bit difficult. It can be really easy to just have one of those, hey, how you doing? I'm fine type of friendships. Um, and my group was about, you know, digging deeper than that and working through that. So what I would say to someone who is hesitant about starting their own group is just don't be, just, just do it. <laughs> um, you, you might not feel qualified um, or good enough to start a group. I didn't, um, but just do it anyways. You, even if you are not qualified to do it when you start, you'll become qualified as you go along. And what is it? God doesn't 
call the qualified, he qualifies the called. <laughs> and I feel like that really rings true, especially for small groups. I felt a real sense of purpose leading a small group this season. Super grateful for Savannah and her story. Um, amazing. Because, hey, listen, the reality is that's what we need. You need a tribe. You need a group of people to be connected to. You need a place to call home, people to call family, purpose for your destiny. You need Those are things you need. And I think for many of you, you've had really good reasons not to. Some of you, we, for whatever reason, this last two years, Transformation Church has been a place of healing for a lot of people that came from environments that caused them not to trust people. But I'm here to tell you today, with an invitation, to say, if you continue to live with the dried up brook of your pain, you'll never discover the greatness that God has for you. So you say, Brad, the last time I trusted somebody, they hurt me. We'll play the odds. Find the good person for every five people that might do you wrong. But you know what I believe is absolutely true? Is that God wants to connect you to people. This isn't you wandering around until you find someone. This is God wanting to connect you to a tribe of people that will walk this journey out with you. They want to be a friend. They want to be a resource. They want to be someone that encourages your faith. They want to be someone that speaks life into you. So come be a part of this. I know it's what God wants for you. It's just a question is whether or not it's something you want for you. Is it more important to you that you face what could happen, good or bad, knowing that God's made a promise that when we connect to a tribe, we can truly thrive? And that's my invitation. Come watch what God wants to do in your life. So what does that look like for you? What do you do? What's the decision you can make today? Like, I'm going to make a decision today that's going to affect how I start living tomorrow. It's easy. Well, I should say this. It's simple, even if it's not always easy. Take your next step to thrive and join the TC tribe. For us at TC, we believe that God desires that we move in steps. So maybe you like occasionally visit TC. This is my invitation. Make it home, not just a place you frequent. Maybe, you, maybe you're here, but you haven't made a commitment to Jesus. Let Jesus become the Lord of your life. Maybe you've done that, but you haven't been baptized. Man, baptisms are the craziest Sunday around here you've ever seen in your life. And we want to have that great experience with you as well. Maybe you haven't gotten into groups or community. Let's do that. Maybe you haven't gone to Next Steps, which literally happens at 1 o'clock today, where we help you get plugged into your purpose so you know what your life is meant for. Come be a part of that. Whatever it is, listen, you have a next step. I'm inviting you to say yes to it because we want to see God do something amazing in your life. And here's the reality. It's a question I want you to think about. How much better could we be? How much better could we be if you were part of a tribe that is just as interested in your success as they are their own. When we started, I was talking about the great debate, right? And the quarterback debate and the 
80s NBA debate, LeBron versus Jordan, which we all know the answer is Jordan. If, you're, if you don't agree, we've got 21 days to pray for you, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> but, but here's one thing I know. As I was, I was literally just watching the Last Dance documentary recently about Michael Jordan, and in that moment, one of the things he said is, I never asked anyone on my team to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. I was going to be the hardest worker. I was going to be the one that went out every practice and every game and gave it my all. But it didn't matter how good Michael Jordan was. If Scotty and Rodman and those guys weren't there, there wouldn't be championships. And it doesn't matter how good you think you are. If you don't have true community of believers that's going to build you up on this journey, you're not going to make it far. So let's do it together and watch what God will do. Because you got some people around you right now, you don't even know their name, but they're just as interested as in your success as they are their own. So let's do it together. I believe God can start shaking up this city even more if we all grabbed a hold of that. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you and we love you. For each one today who's struggling with the tension of saying yes, God, I pray you put peace in our heart that we can be connected to the community. We can be connected to the tribe. We thank you today and we love you. Church, if you're here today and you say, you know what, you're right, Brad. I, the first thing I need to do, though, is I need to take that first step. I know about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. He's not the Lord of my life. The beauty of the gospel, my friends, is that even though all of us have sinned, every one of us, Jesus paid for our sins when he died on the cross. And today, the way that you can be forgiven isn't by working your way to the cross, but by believing that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins. That faith, that belief, that's what saves you. And today, if you're ready to put your faith in Jesus and be made new, he's ready to meet you right where you're at. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And this prayer doesn't save you. It just puts words to that belief. And so the whole church will pray it with you. So let's pray, church. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that today. We celebrate with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.